following podcast contains spoilers, so you have been warned. Mwah! Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Please Don't Make Me Watch. This week you can expect photo library stories. Masked manipulation. You made a time machine out of a DeLorean. An office bowl of condoms. Welcome. Welcome to this week. That's all we're going to say. Yeah. Um, Sam, culture, tell culture us. Culture this week. Yes, Go. I went to see Waitress this week. <gasps> Yay! Which is so much fun. It is fun, isn't it? And like, this thing, I think, obviously, I went to see Humphrey Way a couple of months ago, which is a much better musical. It's still a much, haven't seen it, still desperate to see it. It's so good. But Waitress, I love because it's like, it doesn't pretend to be anything that it isn't. It's very fun. It's very kind of upbeat and yeah. And it's also, I think it's a really, like, interesting story. I think the film's great as well, if you haven't seen the film. I haven't. Um, I remember list. seeing, so I saw the musical knowing nothing about the film and never having heard the songs before, but, like, mm. ba- vaguely knowing that it was, like, Sarah Bareilles and I like her. Yeah. And I love the songs. I've yeah. met loads of really musical people who are like, oh, it's terrible. And no, I don't I understand that. Like, I think it's, I think it's, they're really amazing. But I was, there were lots of points in the storyline that I thought, this is like really weird that this is being treated as a comedy. Yeah. Like the love interest, Ogi. Yeah. Who's like basically a stalker. Mm. He like has one date with this girl and then she's like, no, I don't want to see you again. And then he follows her around until she agrees to like basically marry him. And you're, and it's supposed to be funny. And it's, I remember thinking like, this is kind of creepy. And then there's this weird message at the end, which I know isn't supposed to like relate to everyone, but she has this baby that she doesn't want to have. And then everything changes yeah. in the words of the song. <laughs> and she realizes that she's like, she has a purpose and like she becomes like the the daughter is her purpose for living now and yeah like, she doesn't need anyone else but again it just felt very uncomfortable it's like no if you didn't want the baby just have the baby and then it will give you reason to live yeah and also like it felt like a lot to be placing on that one young child oh yeah like, definitely we were both born today it it was it was really fun i enjoyed it i was was very pleasantly like entertained for a full evening i highly recommend going to see it because mm. it's closing in July, so you've got a bit of time, but I would I would recommend it. Mm. And Sarah Bareilles is going to do the main part yes. in January, which is kind of exciting. Very exciting. What about you? Um, Culture. I have done some stuff. I've been to see some some plays. Ooh. I went to see Noises Off. Okay. Which is a farce, which I love, um, and I dragged my whole department to. It wasn't the same as the first time I saw it, because the first time I saw it, I saw it with my, like my mum, and, yeah. and she loved it, and she loved it before we went. And I remember thinking, I feel like I'm going to find this funny. And then I like completely cracked and just found it hilarious. Yeah. And this time, obviously, I knew the joke, so I wasn't as awestruck by the staging. Definitely. But it was great. Um, Sarah Hadland's in it from Miranda. Love and, like, Mira Sarah Sayal, Love Daniel Mira Rigby. Love him. So many great people. <laughs> it's really worth going to see if you like want something fun to yeah. see. Oh, I saw My Beautiful Friend at the National. Okay. Both parts. My Brilliant Friend, sorry. Which was good, but I didn't really want to be there. It was still good, but it was two parts. I had to go over two nights, ah. and I was just like, I'm a bit dumb. Oh, I saw Frozen 2. Okay. I loved it. Great. I cried. Great. Several times. Because you really liked the first Frozen, didn't you? Yeah, but I saw the first Frozen, like, just <clears throat> when it came out. So Pre I didn't hype. have all, any of the hype to deal with. Okay. I just was like, me and my friend from secondary school, who's, like, we're both quite childish, were like, oh, well, we haven't seen each other for ages. Let's just go see this. And yeah. it, I was 18, probably. And all, everyone else was a child in the cinema. And we both just were like, oh, that was really good. Like, the songs are actually awesome. Yeah. I didn't think it was, like, the best film ever, but I enjoyed it. Mm. 
And then all the hype kicked off, and I was like, okay, no. Because I watched not. it after the hype, and I thought it was fine. Like yeah. it was, it was, it was thoroughly okay. Yeah. And that was that was my issue with. I was like, I don't get why people are raving about this film because it's all right. And I think for me, it was just like there was a lot of filler. It, it like mm. the core the core relationship was between Anna and Elsa, and that mm. was the interesting bit. But then there was a lot of. I mean, I'm just gonna put it out there: the trolls are fucking pointless. Why are they I in quite that like film? The trolls, I hate though. the trolls so much. <laughs> it's a narrative cul-de-sac. Get rid of them. No. They're barely in the second one. Good. Because the second pointless. one has not got that good reviews actually, but. I absolutely loved it, though. Okay. The, o- the character of Olaf is genuinely one of the best characters they've ever created. Like, okay. You watch this film as an adult. So I took my cousin, who's, I mean, she's 29, but she's got Down syndrome, so she's kind mm-hmm. of like, we're still in that zone. Um, and she completely didn't cry at all. She was just like, yes, I like the boy band parody. There's a boy band parody. Worthy of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, almost. Okay. It's very funny. Um, and then, but then Olaf does this thing where, He's like coming to terms with change because he's never seen change before. And he sings this song which is like, this will all make sense when I'm older. And it's just really scary things. But he's like, but it will all make sense when I'm older. Like weird red eyes in the night. Those will make sense when I'm older. And as an adult, you're like, no, it won't, Olaf. You have so much faith in grown-ups. It won't it's make a puberty sense. metaphor here. Oh my God, massively. <laughs> but you just watch it and you're like, oh, oh God, uh... lost youth and innocence. I don't know. I love him. Anyway, anyway, so that was good. Would recommend. with the show. On the actual show. Yeah. This week, I asked you to watch something that was recommended by my dad. And I think it's quite... You talked about theatre mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's mm-hmm. quite theatery. Mm-hmm. I think this would work really well. You would see it doing really well on stage, mm-hmm. I think. I asked you to watch Shooting the Past. Shooting the Past is a BBC miniseries created by Stephen Polyakov from 1999. It stars Lindsay Duncan, Timothy Small, Liam Cunningham and Amelia Fox and follows a photo library under threat of being shut down. Um, this is... it's quite, for want of a better word, dramery, I think is the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. But I I think it, it stands out because the script's really good, the performances are really good, and I, I don't think I've ever watched anything like this on TV before, because no, I think the things that I have watched, I was made to watch by my parents and I got bored, mm. like that were like this. But now that I'm obviously older, I can appreciate something like this much more. And I'm interested to hear what you thought. So, on a really like naive level, it was really interesting to watch something from the 90s. Yeah. That isn't a classic that you've seen like quite a oh, lot yeah, of the yeah, time, yeah. like Prime Precious or whatever. Yeah. Um, at first, I was bored. Mm-hmm. Same. I agree with that. It, I think this is a very, very slow programme. Yeah. I was like, I feel like there were three episodes, and I actually should say I was tempted to watch the second. The second episode, I think, is far superior to the first episode. Okay, well, I might watch the second episode, but um, I did enjoy it by the end, mm. but I just felt there was, like you are saying, so much filler with Frozen 2. But like this oh, yeah, no. heaps of filler. I agree. And I just, it flabbed a bit for me. But... Like you said, the performances are good. Um, Stephen Polyakov, his son taught me physics. You did mention this last I mentioned, time. <laughs> but I was very excited about that. Um, to be honest, I think I just... In a way, it's clever because you're in the position of these Americans who are trying mm. to like buy the yeah. library and turn it into something that is actually a good thing. Yeah. They're not trying to like <clears throat> burn it down and then... Yeah, exactly. Um, 
because at the beginning I was like, what the fuck is the point of a photo library? Like, why are these people so obsessive over mm. it? Because I was picturing like a couple of photos. Yeah, not not because they see like the like shelves millions. and shelves and and and, he, and you then kind of throughout the whole thing, there's like peppered like shots of photo and photo and photo, and they're yeah. all different and they're all yeah. really interesting. Like you see, I th- it might be in episode two. There's one of like a baby and a zebra. Mm. And I'm like, why is why is this baby and this zebra in the same photo? I want to. I, I'm interested about this. Mm. And it's and, it, and you can see like kind of if this was done as a play, like a backlit, and then it's kind of cycling through like it's a, a projector. That'd so be like really kind cool. of flicking through all of these as the play is going on. Mm-hmm. And I liked that obviously that wouldn't happen in a TV show, but they kind of have cutaways to all of these photos mm-hmm. as it goes along. So that was really interesting. And I thought there's a central bit where Lindsay Duncan, Lindsay Duncan's character, who's the um, curator, director, who will not split up the collection. No. You cannot split up the collection while I'm alive. She does that a lot. Mm. Um, and the American dude, can't remember what his got. Um, Liam Cunningham, who's really interesting because Liam Cunningham's American accent of this is awful. But, because he's Irish. Oh, is he? Yeah. I just completely bought that he was American. <laughs> it's really funny because I think the last thing I saw him in was Game of Thrones. He plays Davos Seaworth in Game of Thrones. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but cool. No. But um, I did really recognise him and I now... He was also in Little Princess. Up. Was he the dad? He's the dad in The Little Princess. But again, I've only seen that like once, so I don't yeah. know why I would have remembered it. There's, there's, he's been, he's been in lots of things. He's, he's, he's one of those actors. You're like, oh, you're that from that thing. Yeah, he just seemed very familiar. And then I was like, well, I don't remember you being in yeah. any American movie, so it makes sense now that he's not mm. American. Um, no, he's very much not American. Right. Um, there's a scene between them where they're following this little girl who lived through the Nazi period in Germany. That was the best bit. Such for me. a good scene. Such a good scene. Like, and it shows you the power of the photos, and you yeah. suddenly are like. This is why they have to have all of the photos, not mm. just a couple, because they find this girl and they find her in a photo shoot, and then they trawl through loads of yeah. other photos and spot her in like Berlin in a different period and like here in a different period, and all of that kind of thing. And the ending—I wouldn't say what the ending is yeah. to that story, but the ending is a really good payoff because I, I was like, "Where's this going to go? Is it going to be really like self- sentimental?" And actually, it, yeah, it's quite it real. Really works, way. yeah, and, and it makes you realise that again, you're putting this. St- you're put in the mindset of the Americans throughout yeah. this and it, you realise that you're in that mindset and that's a mm, bad thing maybe mm. and you have Timothy Spall kind of narrating the whole thing but then when you get the scenes of Lindsay Duncan like with the photos yeah I just think I mean I think Lindsay Duncan steals the show in this yeah she's 100% fabulous 100%. and I mean I think I've only mostly seen her in Rome she's um, oh yeah, civilian in yes. Rome and which she's also excellent in that um, but I just I think with this it is it is a very kind of talky show and I can understand the being bored because to be honest I was quite bored when I watched it. I didn't get why Timothy Spall was narrating it. I'm sure that will come to play, but mm. like it re- it really does. I don't think it works. Like that that's the thing is that's one of those elements that you're like ah this is clearly something that is set up for episode two. Yeah, kind of, but yeah. it just it annoyed me because I was just getting into it and then it it would be him like talking about something. Yeah, and I was like, well, this is it. Stop. Have faith in your own script. Yeah. And don't need someone to narrate it, but if it comes back, it, it does. Then... It does pay off, and I think it does pay off quite well. Okay. Um, in the, in the context of it, and I think this is similar to what we were talking about last last time with the people versus Sergio Simpson. Is obviously I'm coming at this from having seen the whole thing. Yeah. You're coming at this from only having seen episode mm. one, mm-hmm. and that is. But then I think with with a lot of the TV stuff that we talk about, it is are you interested in watching episode two? Yeah. And I think, I mean, last week, I was definitely tempted. Yeah, and I w- I would highly recommend episode two. Episode two is. It's got more of those moments of like Lindsay Duncan and the photos. It focuses much more on her. Amazing. Okay. And it's because I enjoy Timothy Spall's character. What's his name? Oh, I can't 
Arthur? Oscar? Oscar? Uh, something. I can't, I can't remember. Well, whatever. Uh, also, I never trust him ever again since Peter Pettigrew. But, like, apart from that... Was, was, it, was it because he played Peter Pettigrew? Yeah. Or just... He was too realistic in that, and I now just see him as, like, this betrayer of all people. Yeah. Specifically the Potters. But whatever. I thought his character was good, but I, he was so frustrating. Mm. And I know he's supposed to be frustrating, and you're not supposed to like all the characters, but that was a lot. I liked it when he was desperately... He was finding specific photos. Yeah. You do some... You do appreciate the purpose of his character, because he mm. has to be this genius that, like... Has to be with the collection. And, and the collection and doesn't work. And it's interesting because obviously, like this is sort of pre-mass filing computer systems. Yeah. And well, ish, ish. They deliberately don't have. A yeah, they deliberately system. don't have one because they've got Timothy Spall. Yeah. Because the thing is, the whole point of it is that it's it's essentially a bank of memories, and then there's this one person who knows all of them. Mm. It's nicely put. It's like The Giver. I haven't seen that book. Um, there is a film though. Does it have Meryl Streep in it? Yeah, I think it does, but I haven't seen the film. But. The book is really good, and it's about one person having all the all of humanity's oh. memories. Not quite the same. No. Anyway, but you do see what I was saying about how you, I think this would work really well on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Amelia Fox was really odd in there. Yeah, but I, I think I, she's so OTT. It was like I, know. I was like, are you trying to be sexual? But to be honest, I kind of think that about Amelia Fox most of the time. I think she 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 doesn't do subtle often. I think. Yeah, but I think in Silent Witness it works more because the whole thing is so, like... Ridiculous. Yeah, but every murder yeah. is ridiculous and, like, she can basically just put on gloves, mm. be quite blank-faced and, like, look through someone's body yeah. and, like, run around trying to find the murderer and it's like, oh, no, so you can be over the mm. top. But here... She, uh, yeah, I think a more subtle really... touch would have... I just found it really uncomfortable to watch a lot of the time. I was like, why are you... I, I, again, you? again, it's kind of like, I feel like in episode two, her character gets fleshed out a lot more. Yeah, it feels like she's trying to flirt with them, maybe to get, like... I don't know what to get, but... Yeah. But yeah, it was good. The yeah. Nazi bit was the best bit. Yes, yes. In a not weird way. I mean, if, if you're going to only watch one bit of this, watch Lindsay Duncan talking with the photos. Yeah. Agreed. It was good. Yeah. I was glad I saw it. Good. At first, I was annoyed. <laughs> That's good. Shall we move <laughs> on? Yeah, let's move on to mine. Um, So... My TV this week was a very specific episode. Yes. Um, because this is a series. So it's from Darren Brown, The Experiments, and it is episode two. So The Experiments are a series of four one-hour specials that were produced for Channel 4 in 2012 by Darren Brown that well, this is his view, seek to answer powerful questions about human nature or are very entertaining. Yes. Studies of like mass psychology, basically. And I asked you to watch Remote Control, which is the second one, in which audience members for a game show are asked to wear anonymous masks and dictate the ongoing fate of an unsuspecting, secretly filmed member of the public, um, which is really happening. Mm. The show then takes a look at the horror that emerges when people are allowed to make anonymous decisions as part of a crowd. I remember i recommend this because i remember watching it and being like <gasps> yeah by the end but i understand if you didn't have that what were your thoughts <laughs> this is the thing i think because this is from 2011 i think watching this in 2011 was much more powerful 2012 2012 yeah watching it now this is essentially twitter yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, think, I see what you're saying and i think that the opening of this episode where he has this one guy and he gives him these 50-50 decisions. Mm. That's really interesting. Also, I don't know how we could talk about this without spoiling it. Sorry. 
We'll say spoilers just before we like literally spoil the ending. Yeah. Um, so the, um, the, the episode opens with Darren Brown and one guy and he gives him these 50-50 decisions. So either you can pick A or B and it's two decisions. So mm. I can't, what was the first one? Um, I can't remember. I can't remember. The second they one... They start is, from like quite easy yeah. to... The second one is he, um, the man he is um, talking with is a vegan. He's like, okay, so there is a vegan hot dog and a meat hot dog, A or B. And he picks one of them, he picks the vegan one, all is fine. And then the final one is two doors, A or B. And just before he lets them pick, Darren Brown swaps the letters over. And then and it's like, has, how does your mind work? Yeah, and, and, he, and the man has to just basically charge through one of the doors. He charges through one, lands on a crash mat, all fine. Darren Brown then takes his hostess trolley and flings it through door, the other door, and there's about a 50-foot drop on the other side. So if he'd run through that door, yeah. he obviously would have died. But it's, it's just very confusing. You watch it and you're like, how? Yeah. What? And then, and then the, the rest of the show is you have this kind of crowd who basically are picking between a good and a bad decision with this person in the bar. Who... Which is really happy, like, we should yeah. is... Really so at the beginning of that bit, Darren Brown says to the viewers, as in us, everything that you watch over the mm. next, like, 35 minutes is real and is not fake. Yeah. Like, they are affecting someone's life. We're not faking anything that they're yeah. doing to them. So, like, you have to be mm. aware of that. And I remember seeing that and being like, oh, shit. shit. Like, that's, I mean, that's quite a lot of... Yeah. That feels a lot of power for an audience to have. But I just think their reaction yeah. is so interesting. And, but for me, it was like having... I've seen other Darren Brown ones, and there were kind of little things that he puts in that it's kind of clear that he's initially manipulating the audience. Well, yeah. And kind of to be like, oh, the the person, he's a bit of a... bit of a dickhead, mm. but is overall like a nice guy. But then it kind of doubles down on the slightly more negative aspects of this random person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you would do that to almost oh, yeah, definitely. anyone. I think that's... Why I find this program? Yeah, I don't even know if I find it interesting. You know, I I remember being shocked the first time I watched it, mm. but actually now I watch bits of it sometimes, and I just am cringe. entertained. Yeah, cringe and like, but I showed it for my a class that I'm teaching because mm. we're doing 1984. Yes, so crowd control and stuff, and they were again. I did like the mm. beginning of that bit and then the ending. And they were, like, flabbergasted by the ending. Yeah. And I remember them having exactly the same mm. reaction. So, spoilers. Spoilers, let's talk about the ending yeah. quickly. Yeah, skip this bit if you want to. Um, so, they're making decisions about what happens to him. There's a positive option and a negative option. And at the start, they're like, um, he gets a drink spilled on him, or... He gets a free drink. He gets a free drink. Which one? And they always vote for the negative option. Or unanimously And you know that they're like being manipulated slightly, but also there is a sense of, like, crowd. And at mm. the beginning, they're, like, laughing guiltily that they've yeah. that some of them have voted for it. And it's, like, it seems much closer. Mm. And then by the end, they're, like, cheering. And, like, yeah. they're, like, should we destroy his TV? He'd actually destroy his TV yes. or give him a brand new games console. And everyone's, like, destroy, destroy the TV. TV. And this guy, like, takes a baseball bat and the whole crowd, like, yeah, amazing. It's just really horrible Yeah, and then watch. one of the decisions is that he gets arrested. So he's in the back of a police van. The police let him go. Yeah. And then... And then it's, like, does he walk in and find all of his stuff restored and, like... Or does he get kidnapped? And, obviously, they pick the kidnapping option. They then, kind of... The kidnappers come. The participant, seemingly, runs away and then gets hit by a car. In the road, and then the whole Audience. thing stops. Yeah. Because 
obviously that's not part of it. And that like Darren Brown is like, oh my god, what what's just happened? Yeah. And then he's like, stop talking, and then he like walks off. Yeah. He, he does it really well. You can tell he's loving it. Oh, clearly, Darren Darren Brown he's is such so camp. Lovely. It's actually hilarious. Yeah. He's like, oh my god, no, yeah. I can't hear, I can't hear. And then he like walks off dramatically. <laughs> and then all the lights go up. Yeah. In the studio, the screens go off. And then slowly people, people start, start removing their masks. masks. It's so interesting. And some of them are like awkwardly laughing because they clearly still think that it's a joke. Yeah. And some of them are, one of them's crying. Yeah. And some people are like, like looking at their hands like, what have I what done? What have I done? It's just fascinating. And then Darren Brown comes on and says, everything up until the point where he leaves the police van was real. That was filmed with a stunt double. We filmed it ages ago. This is how we fake this footage. And he shows you how they fake Yeah. In reality, the person walks back into his flat, finds a brand new TV and a letter from Darren Brown saying, Explaining, this is what like, just happened. you haven't done anything bad tonight. You've just been you, part of an experiment yeah. and I'm sorry, but like, you'll be okay. Um, and it's, and it's really like that payoff at the end, that punch at the end is really powerful. My issue with this, aside from I think that there, there have been a lot of things kind of like this and also it is, it is basically Twitter. <laughs> My issue with it is that the pacing, the first bit is really interesting and the end is really interesting. The middle flabs. It's there's yeah. so much of kind of cutaways to pointless things. Darren Brown joking with the guy that's in his flat as they kind of just you know go through his flat. And I, but I, I think, and this is the thing. And then mm. also every time there's a decision, they have to be like, "Will you decide this?" And then, "Will you decide this again?" Like, oh God, come on, hurry up! And that that is one of my primary issues with it. Is I feel like they could have paced it slightly better. And I think I think they could have just had a bit more, a bit more uh, foresight into how it was going to be plotted. I think that was deliberate, though, mm. because I think if you were watching this in 2012 on your TV, like live, and then Darren Brown's just told you that everything that you see is real, is real, like directly to the audience. You're not counting down how many minutes that is because mm. he says like, I told you it'd be real for 35 minutes. That 35 minutes was up two minutes ago. Yeah. That's why we saw that. But you're obviously not counting that. And I think no. it has, they had to make it seem like a real game show mm. because they had to trick the audience at home. Yeah. Into th and if it felt like it was speeding through stuff, mm. it would feel like, Oh God, what's happening? Well, it would just be like, Oh, there must be a twist here or something. Yeah. Like, that's, that's Whereas the I think they get it so, I think that is exactly how that game show would work, mm. and I think I oh, can yeah. see that being produced. Mm. So I just think, and, and I think that, that is, has to be that flabby is to work. Watching it removed and watching it now is yeah. that obviously, like I watched it on all four. Yeah. I'm watching yeah. It on a streaming service. You have a time code at the bottom, and yeah. that ruins it. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think, and I mean, also, I just, I just feel like the bad acting is bad. Like the mm. people that they hire to be the sort of, like there's one that. Um, there's a couple that go up to the oh God, the, the, the guy in the experiment and accuse him of like grabbing the girl's bum. Did you just touch my girlfriend's ass? Yeah, and then just just allow Darren Brown goes call him a penis, Lee. Yeah, and that is. So, I love that though. And I, it, you just kind of want to be, just be like, oh, yeah. Darren Brown is so hilariously camp sometimes. I'm just yeah. Like, just please, just lean into it more. <laughs> and I just think that there was there was a lot of kind of. I don't know. It, for me, I think having that removed from it, have, from when it was broadcast, it does lose its power. Because also, I feel like I feel like I remember talking people talking about this, and that also because I feel like again, you're watching it live. Yeah, you know yeah, what's going yeah, yeah. On. You watch it have like almost eight years down the line from when it was broadcast. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I just always find that idea of like um, how crowds work fascinating. Yeah. Like, one of my favourite Black Mirror episodes is the one with like when they're all filled, White Bear. White Bear. I, yeah, that's one of my favourites. I absolutely as well. love that because I love the twist and I love yeah. the twist in this and I think I just find them so mm. clever in that. It's so hard to like say that you wouldn't do that. Mm. But I think having seen something like White Bear, I was less surprised by it, yeah, and that's the thing. Fair. I think I saw this first, and then I saw. Yeah, I think this is this is pre Black Mirror. I would recommend the other experiments though. Like, I'm interested well, to watch the them. last one's not that interesting, but wait, let me. Because isn't there one where he also gets people to like predict the lottery? That's not in this one. Uh. So the first one in this is fascinating. It's about it's called the Assassin. It's about like could because Robert Kennedy's assassin said that he was hypnotised by the CIA to commit the crime. Mm. So it's like, can you do that? So the beginning it's about what hypnosis is like and they get a young man who's really like easily hypnotised yes. and they programme him to assassinate Stephen Fry at a public event. Uh. Like, that he will just do it and it's really, like, again, obviously it's TV so you're like, is this guy playing up to it? Mm. But also, it's really interesting about how you can manipulates someone and he looks totally he like literally holds up the gun and you're like what are you doing like yeah. how do you have and he has no recollection of it as well and then there's another one called the guilt trip which again a member of the public is filmed into like it goes to an english country house and everyone there is an actor and they actually all have like cluedo-y kind of names but he never uh. talks on to it and they manipulate him into thinking that he's committed a murder that he hasn't committed and that hasn't happened okay and it's like to see will he confess because for me, I think something. the first one, the the assassin one, sounds the most interesting. I think I think because I don't know. I part of me wanted a little bit more of like the explanation behind it. I, yeah. That's, that would have been nice if like maybe he'd spent a little less time on the kind of game show bullshit and more time on the this is why. Or maybe at the end, be like, this is why this happens. This is why because I I just wanted a little bit more content, a little bit less bright lights. Yeah. Jazz hands. No, I see what you're saying. It's like, and here's the twist, goodbye. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I enjoyed but, it. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So cinema time. Yay, cinema time. It's another instalment of Sam makes Alice watch classic films she should have seen by now. Yay, so many of them. It's, it's actually surprising how many of these there are. And I asked you to watch Back to the Future. The Future is a 1985 science fiction film directed by Robert Zemeckis, starring Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly and Christopher Lloyd as Doc Brown, the inventor of a time machine made out of a DeLorean. Um, I feel weird talking about this film in regards to spoilers because it's Back to the Future. How do you not know the plot of this film? Uh, I feel like we can give away the plot. I mean, it's and it's. I mean, I knew the plot before. Yeah, and it's a great film. Oh, it's so much fun. This film. I have, I have a great time, and like, if this film I turn on TV, Back to the Future, I will fully sit down and watch it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great fun. It's good fun. What did you think? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was good fun. It took a while to get going. Yeah. I thought they were going to time travel pretty soon, and it would, took us a bloody long time yeah, to get yeah. in that DeLorean. Yeah. Um, also was shocked when the Doctor was shot. Oh yeah, no. Uh, the Libyan reference is also not dated well. I oh think. no, 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 and no. And they're no. like, oh no, Libyan, trying to get some nuclear weapons, no! And then, yeah, yeah like, I thought oh, that was dodgy. Oh, dodge. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, so that made me slightly uncomfortable, but, you know. Um, I thought it was good. The yeah. plot is weird as fuck. It's far. so weird. His mum kissing him was very uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. That whole plot line. What? What was it? Oh, the rape, like, in it. Oh, yeah. Really no. dark. It's, like, it's a lot darker than really I remember dark. it being. Yeah. 
I don't know. It feels weird that someone put this together, but I did have a lovely time watching it. Yeah. If that makes sense. I like all the inventions. The, the, the beginning was great. The beginning's great. That, like, opening shot yeah. of all the clocks, I thought. That, that drew me in. Yeah. And the prom scene. The whole scene of prom. Yeah, the prom scene is good. It's great. When he, like, plays Johnny Bigood and it's like, guys, you should listen to this. It's like, yeah. Classic. It's ridiculous. It's so confusing about how time travel works. Oh, like, yeah. It's also like, he's called Marty, but his... Right. So then when he goes back in time, his mum goes, Marty, such a lovely name. And it's like, but why is... But... What? Why was he called Marty in the first place? Have you... Yeah. What? I don't understand. And then he comes back to the... Back to the future. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and his whole family is different because his parents are, like, actually in love and, like, like each other. Yeah. His dad has like, some self-respect, finally. Because mm. um, basically his dad is bullied by this guy at work called Biff Tannen, who, interestingly, oh is based on Donald Trump. Is he? Yes. And in the, in the second Ooh. film, um, basically... They go for they go further into the future as, as this in, is where the hoverboards come from. Where the hoverboard comes from, and they then find this like results almanac for horse racing that they accidentally bring back with them, and Biff Tannen then finds this and becomes spectacularly wealthy. No. And basically, and that's who um and he's based on Donald Trump, who kind of like this sort of like Trump Tower esque gold plated oh. bullshit. Yeah, he's such a dick. Such a dick. Um, yeah, it was like a confusing film in many ways. But yeah. I also, if everything changed, why is he exactly the same? That doesn't make any sense. Your upbringing changes you, so you're, uh, and then he has this girlfriend, and she's mysteriously still there because he's yeah. still in love with her, and they're still gonna go away for the weekend. It was just very like I was like, this isn't how time travel works. Well, I mean, but okay. this this thing is you sort of talk about time travel in like in films. You have the kind of the Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban version where everything is fixed. You can't change it but you are affecting the events without knowing that you're affecting the events. Yeah, exactly. You have it in the... You've seen Misfits, haven't you? The episode yeah, of Time yeah. Travel, which is, I think, one of my favourite episodes of Misfits. Is that when Nathan keeps going back in time? Uh, no, it's the one where um, someone gets Nathan's power and tries to go back and kill Hitler, but accidentally drops his mobile phone, basically giving the Nazi super technology. Okay, I might have missed that. It's, 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 it's the one where um, Lauren punches Hitler in the face. Yeah, I definitely missed that episode. It's, that's that's like a really fun episode. It. But that's kind of like, someone goes back in time, nothing changes, there's a divergent timeline, and you have a paradox. Yeah. So that you kind of can't go back and reverse it. Yeah. Um, and it's and Back to the Future is sort of somewhere in between the two of them, because it's not fixed, but it's also not a completely divergent timeline That's either. why it's so confusing. It's weird. There is a, there is a name for that kind of time travel, but I can't remember it Well, it makes no sense to my oh, God, brain, no. to be honest. Um, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Yeah. The... It was obviously great to see his dad become more self-assured. Yeah. Um, the woman who plays his mum when she's young is really good looking. Yes. I can't remember her name. Let me yeah, just... I looked her up afterwards. It's Leah Thompson? Leah Thompson, I want to say. Louise? Louise. Leah? Mm, we should have probably done some research. Yeah. Um, but I think, I one thing I like about this one also is the music. I think the music's fantastic. Yeah, the music was good fun. I liked his skateboarding. Yeah. Cool. Shout out Alan Silvestri. Well done. Um, uh, Leah Thompson. Le yeah, okay. And I just, yeah, I think this is like yeah, a great film to watch. Yeah, it was good fun, watch. but yeah, the rape thing was really uncomfortable. Yeah. It's, it's one of those elements that sort of, I feel like you watch this as a kid, you don't register it because you don't know what it is. But you watch it as an adult, you're like, oh. A I bit like the fact that Bish just like allowed to be around when he's older as well. Like, oh no, I'm your clumsy person. Driving, yeah. Like, watching your car. It's like, no, you should be locked away. Yes. Uh, bye, bitch. It's just, yeah. But. It's, it's so, I find yeah. it so uncomfortable. Like the whole thing. 
Um, but I actually really enjoyed it nonetheless. Yeah. I thought it dragged at the end when he was trying to get back. And they keep having this calamity that being uh, like, oh no, he can't get back. And he keeps trying to tell the doc what happens. And yeah. Like, oh, it just pissed me off. I was like, just, we all know he gets back to the future, like literally the title. <laughs> yeah. So can we just get there, please? And also I feel like at this point, you know what happens in Back to the Future because everyone know. I, I feel like everyone has seen the final shot of the film, which is when the DeLorean starts to hover. I know, I haven't. Oh, okay. But it's, it's even like, I feel like everyone's seen the bowler sequence from Indiana Jones. Well, I knew, the Lost but Ark. it's also like, I knew there was a Back to the Future too, so it's yeah. not like, any of them are going to be hurt, is no. it? Back to the Future 2 isn't very good. Back to the Future 3 is better, but also no. Oh, okay. To be honest, I would, it's not like Indiana Jones where I'd say, watch the rest of them apart from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. With Back to the Future, I'm like, leave it. Okay. Uh, um, but I, yeah, I, it's one of those films that I feel like, it's it's just one of those kind of like classic family 80s films. Yeah. I'm glad I've seen it. Yeah. And now you can... I wouldn't be averse to watching it again. No. But it, yeah, it, it did drag a little bit. It's like, for me, I put it in the same category as something like The Devil Wears Prada is that if it's on, I will sit down and watch all of it. Will I actively go out and try and find it? No. Will I have a great time while I'm watching it? Yes. Yeah, fair. That sounds like a good summary. Yeah. Oh, I thought, um, what's his name was very good in the lead role as well. Uh, Mark J. Fox. Mark J. Fox, he's, yeah. he's so good at this. Yeah. And like kind he of, really carries the film. He could be also be really irritating. Yeah, because he's like quite good looking and talented at mm. a lot of things. Like he could easily be like, he verges on... Ferris Bueller kind of territory. Yeah. Where Ferris Bueller, I love that film, but also I think I never want to be friends with Ferris Bueller. No, I find him such a dickhead. Yeah, but I also, that's one of my favourite films of all time. Yeah. Whereas I think Marty McFly could go that way and somehow mm. manages not to because he's so likeable and like... Interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the thing, is, is he is, he is likeable, but also like, he's he's got that little bit of weirdness. Like, Ferris Bueller would never be friends with Dot Brown. Yeah, or if he was, it would only be to get something out of him. It wouldn't exactly. Be, so, um... Well, you get the impression that these two are actually friends, even though it's yeah, a it's weird friendship weird when you think friendship. about it, but <laughs> it was... Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yay! Yay! Right, my film. Woo! What was my film? My film this week is one of my recent discoveries, and I thought Sam would like it because, as we know, he has a bit of an issue with rom-coms, and this one is like an overt parody of rom-coms, and it's called They Came Together. They Came Together is a 2014 American satirical rom-com film directed by David Wayne and written by David Wayne and Michael Showalter. Um, it's kind of absurdist, but it's also just like a classic parody and it stars Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler. And what did you think? So this is kind of, I'd say, the third parody rom-com romantic thriller film that you've made brought to the podcast after A Simple Favour and this is, Isn't It Romantic? Yes, but I would count them not as much. As in, those ones I feel like are trying to be vaguely like the genre mm. that they parody, whereas this one I feel like... This is my favourite of the three of them. Yeah, I don't think... Yeah. This is a straight parody. This um, isn't like, and feel the emotions. I mean, don't get me wrong, this film is still a hot mess. Yeah, but, but the best kind but of But yeah, the it, it, thing is, it knows it's a hot mess. Also, Paul Rudd is so sexy, and I will hear oh nothing God. to the contrary. Him in this film. Him in every him film, actually, I don't fair. care. Paul Rudd is incredibly also, sexy. Also, Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler are just like, I love that couple. I just want them to be yeah, together exactly. in life. And it's, um, I love the kind of like, the, you can say that like New York is the third third character, and it's like, good dig at Sex in the City. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the opening, so basically the whole thing is that they're telling the story to Ellie Kemper and Bill Hader, who are this other couple. Yeah, Who I also think, couple. great. Yeah, great pairing. Great pairing. Yeah. Um, and they're telling this whole whole story to them. And 
um, they say, oh, it takes place in New York. So kind of like New York's the third character. Yeah, kind of like New York's the third character. And Paul Rudd works in this stupid corporate office that has a bowl of condoms for no reason. Yeah. Michael Ian Black, I think he's hysterical. He's so funny in he's this. He's so... He's funny in... Like, he's hilarious in yeah, My Heart American true. Summer. Yeah. He's funny in everything. If you haven't seen... Um, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's... Uh, I, it's basically like a parody. It's basically what if Kardashians happened in the Gilded Era. It's, it's it's another period. Okay. It's it's a bizarre show. Like I don't okay. know if I'd recommend it, but it's he's in it and he's hilarious okay. in it. And I just I just think it's like like there's like hey Derek, don't fall out the window. Oh my god, there's so much good stuff in this film. The I basketball think. scene is hysterical. The basketball. I love. I'm so glad basketball, you like that scene. Basketball. Basketball. It's just like a straight parody, like as in there's nothing serious in this one. We never have to really care about the characters. Yeah. You, know, you know, like what's no. basically going to happen. But I love the bit where they keep uh, Eddie Kemper and Bill Hader keep being like, "Oh, what a lovely mm -hmm. ending," and they're like, "We haven't finished yet." <laughs> and then they carry on talking, and you can see the other couple being like, "Oh my god, this is, yeah. this is the worst story ever." And uh, there's my issue with this film is there are a couple of moments where it suddenly gets very serious for about two minutes, like, and what? I'm like. Well, no, there, there are a few of this, like, hang on, wait, what's happening? Why is this here? Or it kind of just meanders for a bit too long. And you're like... Wait, where? Well, for me, Paul Rudd's brother is an irrelevant character. He does not need to be in it. Wait, who's his brother? Uh, he's also a new girl. Schmidt? Schmidt. Schmidt from New Girl. Yeah. It's Paul Rudd's brother. And he is a pointless character. Oh, I think he's supposed to be, like, almost like the Hugh Grant brother in... Um... Like in is it four weddings? Notting Hill. No, what do you four mean? Four weddings, the one who's deaf. Yes. I thought he's supposed to be like the classic sidekick brother who's like. <sighs> but he he that thing he didn't feel like that. He felt kind of pointless. Oh. I didn't I didn't I didn't mind it, but it, for me it was just like oh he's on screen again. Can you please leave? Oh, I quite like and, it. But the thing is is uh, it, it all boils down to the fact that Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler are both really funny on screen. Yeah, but also the jokes are funny. Yeah. I feel like this is the airplane of rom coms. Yes. And it's I not agree. high quality enough to be airplane, but like. The jokes are really, really quite. Like, there on were a couple times where, well. I, like, the Aunt Flo joke, cracked me up. It's it's like I can't tonight. My Aunt Flo is visiting. Oh, okay. No, no, she's over there. <laughs> I love <laughs> that. My best book bit is in the bookshop. Oh, when they're like, you like fiction, fiction books? books? I like fiction books. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, they're just they're just taking the piss yeah. out of it. So she's like the owner of a small candy company and he's in the a massive conglomerate candy, candy company who are like the only shop in the city we have not taken over yet is this tiny yeah. candy company and it's her candy company and she has like a black best friend who gives her advice and then we're like transform her yeah and there's a weird lesbian moment too it's like no girl yeah, yeah, yeah there's so many like weird great like absurd yeah. bits and, and there's and then also the, the bit where they both come dressed as what's ben franklin ben franklin to a halloween party it's like niche and appreciated. so niche yeah that's why i love it because it's so stupid also one of the best shots in the film is one of the shots when in the coffee shop where they're having some like inane conversation and, yeah. and, and, and then saying something and then it just pans away from them and it focuses on the gay couple in the background just looking like what the fuck are they doing yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like mood that's i mean. love the bit where she's like if I was ever really upset, then I would go to this specific location. And he's like, oh, great. Yeah. And then there's, the, but the thing is, is, then there's just, I feel like most of the jokes land. And then there's just ones yeah. where, like, the fuck is going on? Like, her parents. Where suddenly, her parents are Nazis. For no oh, yeah. reason. And you're like... I forgot about that. What? What is happening? And it's just funny, though. I just... Uh, but then it's like, at her wedding, her dad's got, like... 
the Nazi eagle and it's taking you like, oh, oh lord, oh no, I don't, I don't know, I just felt like that was so out of place. And but I will say, so um, Kobe Smulders plays Paul's. Paul Rudd's ex-girlfriend, and there's obviously the bit, the classic bit where they get back together and have like the kind of the rampant sex scene, and that bit is so funny. And there's just one point where she kind of does the splits and just lands on him. Oh, and I'm like, amazing! And then there's also a bit where Paul Rudd gets pegged. Oh yes, I forgot yeah. about that. Also, I love the bit. I've just been reminded when there's a song by Nora Jones, and it's like uh, black and yeah. white footage of them like coming to the recording studio and hanging out with the artists. It's just very like everything is on point. I feel like. Almost everything. I was like, yes, I've seen rom-coms like that. Yes, that's yeah. ridiculous how rom-coms do this. Like, and then the the butt pole, the waiter with the pole up his butt, and you're like, why, why? Yeah. This this thing is with the film. There was just some bits I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. But I feel like the the bits, those are the bits that didn't work so well. The bits are just kind of like, wait, what? That weren't specifically making fun of like rom-com tropes to the point of absurdity. They were just yeah. kind of absurd. Yeah. I felt like they didn't work as well. Yeah. Fair. I see what you're saying. Um, but I, um, I, I, I did enjoy this, and I just think that, like, the ending, though, so the ending is, is classic, but God, does the ending drag. Yeah, I agree with that. I remember watching it and being like, no, surely this is the end, and then it's not the end. Yeah, I mean, it was, like, the end was about 20 minutes long, and it could have been 10. It was, the end for me really let it down, because it was so, like, strong up to there, and I get the kind of, it was a callback to an earlier joke, but it just, I wanted it to be be more than it was, and I I was a bit I was a bit disappointed by that, but I did enjoy it, and I was I was actually really glad I watched this. And if I think I'm gonna add this to my roster of ill films, yeah, I think it's such a good ill film. Like I mean, I I don't think it's it's quite peak ill film for me, which is still Miss Congeniality, which yeah, fair enough. But my mum wouldn't let me have them. She said they were Satan's panties, <laughs> <laughs> which ev every time cracks me up. Oh, love Miss Congeniality. Great film. <laughs> if you want to hear our thoughts on it, episode three. Oh, lovely reference there. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I just think that They Came Together does have a lot of like really solid rom-com parody elements. Yeah. And I think having Eddie Hemper and Bill Hader as like a Greek chorus works really well. Yeah, they're like our stand-ins, aren't they? Yeah. And I think I, it basically it's clear that they just got a bunch of their mates together and like, that's what it feels like, that's why I like it's the same with Hot American Summer, is I feel like that it's a bunch of friends clearly having a great time making a stupid film. Yeah, exactly. And I think I personally prefer Wet Hot American Summer to this, yeah, because fair. it it just is so, everything about Wet Hot American Summer is ridiculous, and yeah. it's not specifically parodying a genre that I've seen a lot of, Yeah. whereas I've only really seen, I haven't seen any camp movies, I've only really seen America, Wet Hot American yeah, Summer. Yeah. But with this, I think it is just... It's 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 very enjoyable and very fun, and I think it's what definitely what isn't it romantic was trying to do, but mm, I think but I think I isn't it romantic still that, I think yeah. isn't it well, the first two thirds of isn't it romantic, yeah because then isn't it romantic decided oh no we have to end this seriously with a message and like no stay on I your think bullshit it's really, like this one drags it's really hard to end them yeah I like the bit where they're like no 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 we're not together anymore no yeah. That was satisfying. Yeah, it's like I turned to drugs. Yeah, and we just decided like we were better as friends. Because that's the thing with always with rom coms, you think, hang on, what's what's happened afterwards? Because you've known each other for three minutes. Yeah. How how we what no. <laughs> but I yeah I would I would recommend this. I I still have some reservations about it, but this is definitely my favorite of the parody random weird films you've maybe watched ever. Yay! Happy days. Okay, and with that we should go to scores on the doors. Scores on then. the doors. Woo! Scores on the doors. Are you excited? Yeah. Shooting the past. 
what did you give it? Um, I've gone for a 5.5. All of those marks are essentially for that Nazi scene. Yeah. The rest of it I could have taken or leave it, mm. but that made me want to watch more. Yeah. And Oswald is his name. I've just remembered <laughs> literally as we were saying Oswald. Oh, forget everything we said earlier. Yeah. What um, did you say? I gave it seven. I think, again, it's because I'm looking at it from the whole thing. Yeah. I think especially episode two. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Um, Darren Brown, The Experiments, episode two. I've given a nine, but I think I might change it to an 8.5, having talked about it. I was, I, was, I was thinking that, for me, that was very high for that. Yeah, but I just, it's the feeling that I remember watching it for the first time, and I remember yeah. wanting to talk to everyone about it, and wanting to show it to everyone, and I think that has to give, if I wanted to say that to so many people, yeah. it has to make it a high score. What about you? Uh, I gave it a seven, I think, because yeah, watch, not watching it live, and not, and watching it, I think, nowadays, it doesn't have the same punch that it once did. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Back to the Future. Yay! I gave it eight. I also gave it eight. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I film. dot marks for rape, but apart from that, yes, I agree. I mean, they say that it's a bad thing, so yes. you know that's a that's a positive, I suppose. <laughs> but and I dot a mark for the Libyans as well. Yes, one <laughs> mark for questionable framing and one mark for rape. Yay! <laughs> Good. Um, and then they came together. I've given a seven point five because I just really <laughs> enjoy watching it. Like yeah. I know it's not a perfect film, but. Makes me happy. I gave it 5.5. I think it, I enjoyed it. I will add it to the roster of ill films, but ultimately I still think it is quite flawed. <laughs> Fair enough. So as we go to the leaderboard, I honestly don't think there are going to be any ever. changes at all. Back to the Future is placed highest, but The fact that Back to the Future with a score of 16 is so, like, just actually quite low down. Like, it's Back to the Future is at rank 27 out of many everything we've watched. watched. Yeah, because I feel like... The, the bottom of the leaderboard has stayed pretty static with the ad recent addition of A Simple Favour and Love Island. <laughs> which I stand by, they both are. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm not that mad about that. <laughs> no. But I'm still angry. I will never not be angry about 27 Dresses. Oh, I will never too. not be angry about 27 Dresses either. Because no, we don't need to discuss it. this anymore. It'll make me annoyed. If you, if you want to hear our thoughts on 27 Dresses, episode six. Oh. Um, so next time we are going to do... Ironically, what was going to be the second episode of this podcast that then never came to be, we are going to do a Christmas special. Woo, Woo Christmas special. We love Christmas. I'm genuinely very excited for this one. Because I feel like we have pretty similar opinions on, like, standard Christmas things. Yes, we do. But this is this is us being like... Best Christmas film, one, two, three. Mother Christmas Carol. Carol. Okay. There is no other answer, and I will hear nothing to the contrary. Correct, okay. But for my Christmas... I'm going to see it tomorrow, sorry to bust in, but I'm going to see it tomorrow with my parents. Ah! Um, it's so my Christmas TV. Um, I don't watch a lot of like Christmas themed TV. I find I just don't know. I haven't watched a lot of Christmas specials. The one thing I do watch is the Doctor Who Christmas special. So I want you to watch the first one of the new Who. So it's the first episode with David Tennant in it. Yeah. As the Doctor, it's called okay, the Christmas I'm not Invasion. A fan, but I will watch. Yay. And I'm gonna get you to watch Father Ted because I love Father Ted and mm. my family love the Christmas special. And I would say Gavin and Stacey Christmas special is probably actually our favourite, but. Father Ted's close behind. Yeah. Oh, Black had a Christmas special though. Yeah. Which was so good. Um, films? Films. I mean, I think my second favourite Christmas film, which is Die Hard, which is a Christmas film, fight me. You have to say it. If you have to claim that it's a Christmas film, I would argue no, that it's no, not no, this, this, a Christmas this, film. No, 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 this is the thing, is that I don't think that Love Actually should be classed as a Christmas film. Well, you're obviously wrong. <laughs> it's all love. I mean, what the fuck is that about? It literally has a count onto Christmas in it. Yeah. Like, Die Hard takes place on Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. Anything can take place on Christmas Eve. Yeah. 
Also, it's about families coming together no, through adversity. No, Love Actually literally has like a nativity. It has a Christmas show. They sing, all I want for Christmas is you. They say, at Christmas, you always tell the truth. They say, um, oh, I, I mean, so much of it is about Christmas. We also, I just really don't like Love Actually, but okay, never mind. Well, this is another topic we can't ever no. discuss in our friendship. <laughs> um, I'm going to get you to watch um, a film, which is maybe like Love Actually, actually, um, which is called The Holiday. And most people will know it as a great film. I'm 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 excited. I'm okay, interested. We'll sure see what happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> so thank you for listening this time. Yeah, you can find us on social media to wish us Merry Christmas. Yeah, we're on Instagram at Please Don't Make Me Watch. We're on Twitter at Don't Make Me Watch. Um, we're on email at Please Don't, don't Make Me Watch, watch at gmail.com. Gmail oh my god, that was disgusting. <laughs> um, you can uh, find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, and all other good podcast providers. Yay! See you next time for Christmas fun. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Bye. Bye.